Welcome to the second episode of the Polymer Week podcast. My name is Lucy Struncova and today I'm really excited to welcome Stephanie Kilgast from France as our next guest. Stephanie is an incredible artist known for her beautiful, colorful and very complex sculptures, often depicting scenes from the natural world. First she started using polymer clay for making as realistic as possible miniature food and through next year she moved to sculptures that are often focusing on environmental issues. Stephanie is truly an amazing artist and I'm happy to be able to talk to her about her artistic life, work and the message she sends through her art. I'm super happy to have you here today and I would like to talk with you about many things, not only about polymer clay and materials, but also about some kind of artistic things in your life. You started to be seen in the polymer clay community by making those super realistic food miniatures. What was the idea behind this project? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> uh, hi Lucy, first. <laughs> Glad to see you. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's so long ago, honestly. Um, I basically grew an interest in sculpting miniature food quite by chance. Uh, and then I got a bit obsessed with it. You know, I just wanted to make it as realistic as possible. So that was like my main obsession back then. So there was not much meaning or like thoughts behind it. I just wanted, you know, something that was good and realistic. And so, uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Now, in retrospect, it really looks more like, um, you know, a phase where I learned to sculpt uh, with polymer clay. Well, I assume that you must learn a lot by making those tiny food miniatures because there is a lot about translucent and the textures. So yeah. what, what was the... You know, what was the way you were thinking about the material of the polymer clay in that moment? Was it just a material for you? Yeah, it always was just a material to me. And uh, as I told you, I don't even use polymer clay anymore right now. I know a few artists that are like that, that you know, they, they swear by just one material. And I'm like, mm -hmm. it's just a material, you know, which is like you can do pretty much the same. Uh, or similar things or with your own style in like many different materials. For, for me, I, I never was like, it was just a material. So back then, polymer clay, um, it still is now, but it's uh, fairly cheap. You can find it easily. And I just happened to start with it, but I could have started with the air dry clay, which honestly would have been better <laughs> for me in retrospect, because now I'm using it a lot and it's like learning everything again. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically, um, the best miniaturist, uh, food miniaturist in the world, uh, one of the better ones, um, is a Japanese, Tomo Tanaka, and he uses air dry clay. Uh, and when you see his work, it's very translucent and it's like very realistic. So it's, it has nothing to do with polymer clay for me it's just it's just a material and then you use it um you know in the realm of that specific material and the specificities of that material and how it works and uh, yeah sure it's translucent but th there are many other materials that are translucent and uh, you could use paper resin or certain air dry clays that are translucent so um yeah, for me, it's just like I happened to use that one because when I looked into it, I found tutorials who used polymer clay. And I was like, oh, I know that thing. I know where to find it. <laughs> you know, in Germany, it's a fairly common female. 
And so that's how I started. And uh, yeah, then, you know, when you start with one material, you kind of get obsessed with it just because you have to learn about it. And then later on, you might, you know, add in different materials and change and so on. So, um, well, it's a little bit true that maybe for you, it may seem like that the polymer clay community is like a cult or something because no. we are all obsessed with the polymer clay. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to connect other materials and to and still be or feel that you are a part of it because I don't know maybe it's just my mindset but I see where a lot of artists trying to connect other materials together honestly <laughs> most sculptors I know they don't use one material I don't know any sculptor in the art world you know in the general art world uh, that doesn't use many materials because it's just pointless to be honest when was the first moment you realized that there are much more techniques and that you could that maybe you could give it a try in a little bit different way than just food miniatures because then you started working on sculptures and bugs so do you remember that shift in your mind um so my last uh, well i consider it to be my first artwork but it's also my last real miniature artwork even though i made a few after but mostly for money, let's be honest. But like the first artwork that I consider to be, yeah, my first artwork was a challenge I made back in 2015, where I sculpted one uh, miniature fruit or vegetable every day. Um, and this was because uh, at that moment I was turning, or I was uh, mostly vegan. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about the environmental impact of uh, the meat production and also just show, you know, like, eating plants is uh, is not limited you know you don't have you don't just eat salad or whatnot and so I just wanted to show in a positive light you know just like the sheer amount of um, foods that you can eat that are plants and so that was the first time I put a lot of meaning and a lot of myself in my work and that's that's also why I consider it to be my first artwork um, and after that um, for me miniature food was kind of finished because I couldn't think of anything else to do with that specific theme uh, and then I moved on and then it took me a while until I found uh, because I wanted to talk about the environment um, because that's what is the most important issue for me in the world right now uh, there are many other issues of course but like the one that I'm most concerned with is that specific issue and in that sense um, it took me a few years to find how to talk about it and so I tried a bunch of things I'm still trying it's not like <laughs> it's not like I have found like the solution or something like that but at least like I, I work on that specific topic in my artwork um, and yeah that's that's like the red thread through uh, all the kinds because I do a lot of sculpting but I also draw and paint and so on and that's really the red thread among everything I do. So does it mean that when you let's say said everything about the topic with the veggies and the miniatures then you moved to different projects that you yeah, because what can you say more about food, you know? It's like, I mean, you could, you could of course, like, focus on only, you know, uh, veganism or vegetarianism and then, you know, just talk about that. But I, I don't see the point. I, if I make the statement once, 
Um, and uh, and for me, just I don't I, I I wasn't able to find another way, another interesting way of talking about it that would be better than the you know daily mini veggie challenge that I did. So I just moved on, and also I got bored with it. To be honest, I mean, I wanted to do different things, and I the other thing is I was really tired with realism. And I just wanted, you know, to have a bit of fun as well in my own artwork, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, I just moved on. And what was the feedback or reaction of the public or maybe your family and friends when they saw your, you know, hundreds of miniatures that you made? Oh, uh, that challenge, everyone loved it. It was uh, mm-hmm. extremely popular. But then, I mean... You, you don't know that because you're more in the polymer clay community, but everything miniature, especially at that time, just everyone loves anything miniature. It's still true today, but maybe a little less. I'm not sure because I'm not really into that anymore. Or I never really was. But um, yeah, everything that is miniature and re- realism and miniature, usually people like it because, you know, it kind of, it's just impressive, you know, it's something that is impressive and that they can comprehend, you know. It's not like abstract art where people just don't know what to do with it. This is realism, so people are like, oh, that looks like the real thing. And oh, it's really tiny. So the, <laughs> you know, it's it's not rocket science, you know, to, to do things that are popular. You just have to know then if it's still in alignment with what you want to do or not. And for me, it wasn't, so I moved on, even though it, in terms of um, popularity or finances, it would have been a better bet to stay and do miniaturalism. But in terms of art, um, it's, it wasn't. Do you think that you maybe changed something because you were basically trying to say something through art and I think that makes the main difference because I see many miniature artists around the world and the difference probably between you and them is that you had a topic that you wanted to talk about and for them it may be more a little bit little bit like business right now as you said so do you think that it changed something it's uh, I'm always very careful with that because people all have different goals in lives you know, there is something called decorative art. So it's not a lesser form of art. It's just a different kind of way of doing art. So some people are just into realism and miniatures. They don't want to say anything with their work. You know, you, it, every art form doesn't have a lot of meaning to it. So that is something that has always been important to me. And I remember even when I was doing miniature food, it was always something where I was like, well, okay, it's good and stuff, but it's empty. Uh, but that's just me, you know. There are plenty of people who don't really care if there's meaning or not in the artwork, and I think that's fine. I don't think, you know, you have to have meaning for it to be proper art or whatever. It's just I personally prefer doing it that, that way, and I also prefer artworks that is meaningful. But if you ask someone else, someone else might just like bold colors and someone else might just like, I don't know, very detailed artwork, but meaning is of no importance to them. So uh, we're always a bit cautious about that. I feel like most miniature artists are very interested in realism and just, you know, making it perfect. And that's like, that's what makes them happy. Um, And that's fine. You don't have to, you know, have more or less to it so uh, it's it's really personal 
it's a very important message because as you say they might be kind of artists that have some message and then they try to figure out how to speak about that through their art and the second part can be or second second part of these artists can be that they are just trying to create something and they really don't think about the meaning right so how is it with your next projects do you always have something in your mind you want you wanted to say through your art or do you just have some free days when you create whatever you want to well my work nowadays is always more or less linked to the environment um so i don't think there's just one i mean unless i do studies but then i i do studies for big artworks <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but in general, um, it's always my mind is always more or less thinking about talking about certain issues, and of course, like most issues, I go back to it and you know talk, but in different ways and uh, make it more or less dramatic. Some artworks are <laughs> a bit dark, and uh, but most of my artworks are more cheerful. But uh, yeah, it's just I don't think I ever do something that is not related to some kind of meaning because uh, that's what I'm obsessed with. <laughs> so I don't really see myself doing something else. I mean, sometimes I do. I recently worked with um, with a gallery and um, the subject was wish you were here because of COVID, you know, like everyone is, nobody can see each other, you cannot travel. And so I did something more relationship related and to my personal life, but that's, you know, very specific to that uh, group show. Uh, otherwise, uh, even in, in group shows, I always talk about the environment, even if it's not the main topic, because I think that's just what I want to do anyway. So, so although you tried studying art, your education background is in architecture. Is that correct? Yeah, true. How did you feel when listening to teachers at art school when you tried studying the art? I mean, in, in France, you have to understand that um, art school is not... In, in other countries, uh, I know in the US and in the UK at least, uh, and probably elsewhere, yeah. but art school is technical. It's like you go to school and then you learn to draw and you learn to paint or whatnot. In France, um, it's not quite the same. It's more conceptual. So you have themes and you do whatever you want, but it's not, you don't have the technical aspect. So kind of learn by yourself, but you don't have like, today we're going to learn perspective or today we're going to learn about colors. And so in that sense, it's kind of pointless because um, you don't need a school to think. You need a school to learn the technique, the techniques. So then you can think and, you know, fly by yourself. Um, and I was not in art school. I was in art university. And um, and I just didn't really have my place, I feel, in, um, in art university. I just felt like this was absolutely not what I wanted to do. Um, and then I had... Um, you could always have optional lessons or classes, sorry. And one of the class was architecture. And uh, I wanted to be an architect before I wanted to be an artist or because I was good in science and in art. So I was like, oh, architecture makes sense. <laughs> and, um, and I really loved that class. It was the history of architecture and I really loved it. And so I decided to go and study architecture because it made more sense that whatever crap we were doing in art school, uh, art university, which I found a bit pointless, to be honest, um, and not satisfying at all. And so that's why I studied architecture. 
Well, talking about art schools, this is a huge topic because the very same is in the Czech Republic and it's really hard to, you know, to fit but still have some kind of freedom because otherwise you want to do or you have some kind of different style. The teachers are more like they are trying to shape you to the way they want to because I have no idea. Yeah, but I think that's a problem in most schools in architecture. You do have like a real style per school, and uh, even in in the in the history of art architecture, you talk about schools, and that's not just random. It's because certain schools will teach you certain ways, and uh, and it's super interesting because when you meet other students from other architecture schools, you're like oh, the approach is completely different. And so that's to be expected in art schools as well. But I feel like art schools and uh, to a certain extent art architecture schools, they they need to be very technical. You know, you, you have to learn the, the tools of the trade, how to use whatever you're going to need. And, um, and then the style will develop more with practice anyway. So when you were at uh, the university, Did you feel like you need some freedom and did you were looking forward to the time that you will be out of the school and you will be able to draw and create everything you want to? Uh, when I was at art university, not because I was fairly young at that age. I was still 18 or so. Um, and as I said, it was not technical. So you were free to do whatever you wanted. So in that sense, I didn't miss the freedom. I, I missed just being, you know, have technical advice because that's what I needed at that point. And that's also why I quit. But in architecture school, I, I made two. I, I went to two architecture schools. The first one uh, was exhausting <laughs> and extremely, you know, like very uh, constrictive, you know, just like. And um, and after the bachelor, I decided to change schools because um, I was like, no way, <laughs> I'm not staying here. But around my master degree so master two the second year um i started uh, sculpting miniatures <laughs> and then that was over <laughs> when i started to uh, to sculpt it was like yeah i want to work with my hands because in architecture you work with your computer you don't work with your hands unless you do like the first sketches but that's just very short in time in terms of your working day And uh, yeah, but I always was an artist uh, in retrospect. So um, architecture was never meant for me, I think, in that sense. Uh, but yeah, the, the second year and like getting my diploma was a bit tricky. So I was like, I have no interest in that. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm never going to work as an architect. I don't care. So while studying, you already knew that you don't want to be an architect after finishing? At the end, like uh, the... Uh, during my last year of master uh, because yeah I just picked miniature food sculpting up in holidays and then I was like oh, I really like that that's so satisfying <laughs> and I got obsessed with that and I started selling before I finished my diploma and it kind of picked up and was like hey you can actually make a living out of this maybe and it was like oh just I want to try it you know um I'm 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 a poor student anyway, so my expectations of money are super low. <laughs> um, and if it doesn't work, you know, as a student, you're so used to like 
living borderline to nothing. It just makes no difference. Um, and so I just tried and uh, loved it, um, working with my hands every day. And so I made it a job and I, I made it so I could earn enough money from it. And I think that's always been kind of my approach to it. It's like, I want to do a certain thing and then I just find a way to make money from it. <laughs> But you already knew that that might be a way how to make a living and maybe some others might find what they would like to do in life but they are not sure how to do a business from that or how to make a living yeah but you have to do research i mean it's not rocket science but it's a lot of work it's like i've i've been a bit of a mentor um because i started selling on etsy and back in the days um they still had forums and i was in a very big one uh the european uh etsy group i don't i don't know yeah yes anyway uh team they called the teams so it was the european street team and so i have been a mentor for a few shops and most of the time when shops don't work it's because people um they they fail to do two things they fail to do the research prior and they fail to work hard three things then and they they don't they're not critical towards their work you know they're like oh what i do is perfectly fine i don't understand why it doesn't sell and like i don't care that you think that your work is fine it doesn't sell so why doesn't it sell you know you have to 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 be critical is it the work the problem is it the pictures is it your approach don't you put enough time and energy into your shop you know there there's always a reason why something doesn't sell Well, it may be something that nobody wants, you know, uh, which is also a possibility. So, yeah, there are plenty of reasons why something might not sell. And so, but most people are a bit lazy about that. And they think, you know, it just, you just have to do good work and it's going to sell. But no, you can do okay work and do better than someone who does exceptional work. Because the key point is how you're going to present your work and how you're going to sell it and how much effort you're going to put into showing and marketing and so on. And it's not rocket science. You know, you can do a bit of research and it's not difficult, but you have to put in the hours, especially in the beginning. Once it's rolling, it's a bit easier. But in the beginning, you have to kind of be very, uh, yeah, into it and work yeah there's no other option and i think that's true for any kind of work uh independent work uh where you don't have you know a, a job or you know something where you have a chef or something when you're your own boss you have to do the research the work and you have to be able to question your moves your motives and the way you do it otherwise it's just kind of pointless it's not a question of quality of work it's really a question of more of mentality and i also think that's not something that everyone can do um and i don't say that in a demeaning way it's just like some people are just not able to kick them to kick themselves enough you know some people they just not that not that kind of mentality and that's fine but then that's way then find a job find a day job and do whatever you like in the evening and that's fine you don't have to be a full-time artist to be an artist so when you compare how many hours do you spend by actually creating something by the art and on your way how many hours do you spend by doing the rest of the work 
which means the presentation, social media, and so on. Now it's much better because now I, yeah, because now I have a bit of a name, so you know you can kind of settle. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it's a lot easier. But in the beginning, especially when I was, I was doing miniature food, I think maybe 50 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, because also because when I was doing miniature food, it was fairly fast. So then you have all the pictures to take and the things to put in the shop and it's then the customer service and so on. So that's so much work. Uh, but nowadays my work takes a lot longer and, um, and I feel like social media is a bit of a double edged sword because uh, at, at the same time, it can be a real bully. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the algorithm really hates me today. Uh, But at the same time, it's kind of easy to just post something fairly quickly, you know. Um, And and as long as you kind of follow the rules, it's less work, so to speak, as writing a full blog post and then posting it on this website and this website so it gets seen so it's like yeah it's a lot of work but it's always been a lot of work to market yourself so in that sense now at least we have different tools and then you can pick the ones you feel most comfortable with and then go with that uh so yeah Uh, but yeah i don't know how much um, time i take but a lot less maybe 30 percent of my time is for not art so you basically work in that way that you create drawings, sculptures, anything, and then you sell it to the customers, but you also have class videos, right? Or is there any other income that you count I on? have a YouTube channel. It's not, wow. <laughs> but, but I still, you know, uh, I still get a decent amount of money from that. Then I teach um, on an online platform, uh, which this, I would say this is like my main income right now. And then I sell myself and through galleries, Uh, but this is more, you know, it kind of depends. So one month I might sell four artworks and then three months, nothing. So that's just absolutely not stable, but over the period of a year, then, you know, everything adds up. So yeah, those are the three ways I earn money right now. Oh, and then I have, but that's almost nothing. It's, um, I've got some things on print on demand, uh, but uh, I think I'm just not very interested in promoting that. So, uh, and since I do a lot of sculptural work and my uh, drawings and paintings are more adolescent still compared to my sculptural work, I feel like I still need to get better at them. Um, and I think that's also why they would probably sell less good, but I don't know. I, I don't promote it as much, but I know some people do really well with prints, uh, but they promote it more aggressively. I don't promote it at all, almost. You are basically doing many things because you create the sculpture or something you want to teach, and then you have to take videos by doing that, edit the video, Maybe do some audio, talk about it. Yeah, teaching teaching is fucking annoying. Oh, sorry. Teaching is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I do not I do not like teaching. Teaching is just the thing that pays the bills. Some people, they just love teaching. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not a teacher. I teach because I know stuff, uh, because, you know, I've been sculpting for a while. Um, and because it pays the bills. And when I teach, I put I put time and energy into it. 
but it's not something I enjoy. So it's really, it's a bit like some people would, you know, have a day job and they don't like it, just pay the bills. So for me, it's a bit the same. I don't hate teaching. It's just not something I'm like, yes, I'm going to teach something new. I'm often very excited when I'm finishing a class, obviously, because I put so much time and energy into it. So I'm excited to finally show it. But like the whole process is, is not very enjoyable. Um, it's so much work, editing and so on. But at the same time, it's not so much work. You know, I maybe I create, ideally, I want to create one class per month, but uh, in reality, it's one every two months or so. Um, and usually it will take, it depends. Like the last one was about all the materials, all the sculpting materials. And so it's a very extensive class and it took me months to do because, you know, I really wanted to show every material, how they behave, because I get so many questions. I was like, that's actually a good topic and something that I would have loved to watch when I was starting out. So this is like one that was a bit different. But when I do project based, you know, like how to sculpt a bird or something like that, uh, Usually that's done in maybe three days, three to four days. And that, if you look at that in a month, then it's not that much for an income that is uh, really okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but it takes time to get you that income. It's like at the beginning, you earn hardly anything per month, but the more you add up uh, and the more you add classes, then uh, the income rises and then you have some kind of financial stability. I think that many people are not sure how to deal with making or let's say creating a personal brand because, you know, it's business, it's art, it's everything around and it's personal. And when it's not personal, it's a little bit harder to, you know, be seen because just let's say society and people connect you yeah with the artist and with the person who is behind yeah no it has to be personal so where are the boundaries it's it's very easy uh, i think when you when you are an artist whatever you share has to be art related so if if you paint food and then you show your breakfast next to your painting okay that makes sense if if you do portraits of animals and then you show your cat next to you know some palettes or in your studio that makes sense or even if like um you you show your studio and then there are pets in there or you know whatever um and it's an important part that's fine too but it has always to be art related if if for instance i don't know uh, if i suddenly would start showing <clears throat> Again, unless it's a special occasion, you know, a birthday or something like that. Um, but it's just, it, it doesn't make much sense with the rest of your work. Uh, then don't share it. It's not the place for that. You can use the stories if you want to do something more personal in Instagram. And there are other ways. Uh, certain platforms allow, allow you to be more personal. I feel like TikTok seems to be more like that. But I don't know. I'm too old for that. <laughs> I just I installed it and I hate TikToks. Personally, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I have the, I am under the impression that people have more of a tendency to be a little bit more chatty personal uh, on there. But still, they show their face. They're not going to suddenly show something else, you know. So there's always kind of a red thread whenever you go. And it's just like a question of how that social media works or how your website works. It's a bit like, what would you put on your website? I feel like Instagram is a bit like that. Um, would you really put a picture of your pet 
just your pet on your website for no good reason. Um, no, unless you know it, that pet, you just lose the pet, and you know it's especially difficult. That I understand. Or you just adopted a pet, you know, like that makes sense. But other than those two instances, then no, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, you have to be. I feel like you have to be coherent in the way you present yourself. And you can still be very personal about it. You know, uh, you, you can have pictures of your pet on your lap while you paint or while you'll sculpt or something like that. And you can say, ah, oh, uh, my pets are really important to me in my daily life. So, you know, you, that's not a problem. But if it's not art related, then people are not going to see it because they're not going to recognize you anyway. It's just a cat. And uh, likely they're not going to care about it either because it's just a cat or a dog or chihuahua, whatever. So, no, it's not difficult. <laughs> you just have to be coherent about the way you present yourself. <laughs> this message is incredibly important and I wish that everybody would know that. Because, for example, I I have some bloggers on my feed or someone and... It fascinates me how quickly they are able to change the topic that they are presenting themselves or talking about. Because once they get a baby, it's immediately an Instagram about the babies and all of that stuff around and breastfeeding and things about it. And it's okay if there are people who are happy to follow that. But I feel that they are more like a celebrities. And there is not that kind of value that can be shared through those social media platforms. No, no, yeah. <clears throat> I, I forgot about that. But if you are a celebrity, which is not our case, so that's why I didn't really get into that. But <laughs> if you are a celebrity, and I know one artist, um, I don't know if you know he, him, he's called Jim McKenzie. And he's a sculptor um, that is really good, but he is a celebrity and he presents himself as a celebrity. And I think he, he always envisioned himself as a celebrity and he always like presented himself that, that way. And so that's okay because he always did that and that's coherent in his, you know. But if if you're like most of us other artists, low life artists, <laughs> then we don't present ourselves all that much. We we present our work and once in a while we show our face just so people know that we're a girl or a guy or something else. And then, you know, that's pretty much it, you know. Um, but indeed, when you're a celebrity, then, yeah, you can share your breakfast and everyone is going to freak out. Like, oh, you eat that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, I feel like that's like very limited amount of people can do that on earth. We have to say that you actually have 203,000 of followers if I'm right on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so but it's like, stagnant. Oh my God. <laughs> it's stagnant. Yeah. So. You even have the the blue what is that? Yeah, the blue tick. Blue. Yeah, I know. It's vanity. Yeah. <laughs> You, you know that you just have to ask to get it, but you have to have a certain amount of followers, I think. Um, I mean, honestly, it's a good thing to have it because when I comment on other artists' homepage, usually when you see the blue tick, they're more likely to check your workout. And so if they like it, they're more likely, you know, to engage with you. But it's mostly vanity. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, I feel like... Uh, yeah, but I have it, yeah, I have it. 
Well, did those numbers and followers actually let I bring you more customers and people who are interested in your work? Well, it's it gives you credibility. Um, and I feel like when you when you when you are in the art world game, um, galleries will check your Instagram. Do you feel that when you are creating your art, which is full of colorful gradients and rainbows, does it affect people likeness? Because it's really colorful and it's visible between other stuff on the, on the feed. Oh yeah, um, yeah. In general, I think people are attracted to rainbows in general and to colors. So not everyone. I have friends who love like black and white, but uh, many people do like colors because we live in a colorful world and uh, we are attracted to colors to a certain extent. In that sense, yeah. But I th I feel like what helps the connection between the viewer and the artist, other than you know if it's colorful or not, is more if it's your personal style and if you put yourself into it because that's how you connect to people in a more visceral way you know because you do something that you know it it came out of your guts and so people can feel that um and 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 that's there's a difference between people who do commercial work uh it's not a criticism against commercial work because again we all need to earn some money but commercial work is not the guts of the artist generally uh, but you know you you do something for a client and you, you know you follow whatever is expected from you from the client and of course you do it in your style but that's pretty much it it's not like something that is so visceral than when it's your own artwork and so people will not connect in the same way they might think it's uh, brilliant, the idea is good, or it it's looks good. But when you're in front of a piece of art that is made for the sole purpose of it, so not, in, you know, I mean, when I say commercial, uh, working with a client, basically. So most original pieces of artwork are trying to be sold, but that's not like the main purpose of it. Um, and um, and then people can, will, some people, not everyone, and that's kind of the beauty of it, but some people will connect to the piece of art. And I feel like that's kind of what you're searching for as an artist, to find that connection with the viewer, which is not intellectual, but really like visceral, subconscious almost. And does colors have some kind of special meaning to you, like gradients, rainbows, all of that? Does it happen? No, I just like colors. But then I don't mind when people see other things in them. It's like usually the rainbow, um, uh, you think of... Um, uh, I'm going to say uh, LGBT, for instance. The whole LGBT community is very big on, on rainbows. And if they connect through it, through, with my artwork through that, I'm fine with it. It's like, it might not be like the, the original meaning of it, but I, I don't mind if people see that. And then I know when I, I, I work a lot with mushrooms sometimes, and so it's rainbow and it's very psychedelic. And so some people connect with me on that and I don't do drugs. So for me, it's, I mean, I know about it and I play a bit with it, but it's not really about that.
But again, if people connect through that, I'm fine. Um, the only thing where I would not be fine if it's something that I really didn't mean, but I never had that, like something bad, I don't know, something racist or something like that. Uh, but I never had that. Usually when people connect, sometimes I get comments and people say, oh, this reminds me of that and that. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't mean to do that, but I, I like that interpretation. And I feel like art, when you do artworks, there's always, you have to leave some of it to the viewer um, and to the interpretation of your artwork. Um, and this is where the magic happens. Like you do something, you do your vision and someone will react to that vision and see things that are there but you didn't really thought through maybe not intellectually maybe subconsciously but yeah to me it feels like you're super passionate about art and artwork and sculptures and everything and do you sometimes have a days when there is no mood for creating and you just have a days off you don't care of course <laughs> I am human. <laughs> I'm actually getting better at not working. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to take my weekends off, um, especially since confinement, isolation, uh, because I'm always at home. And for me, uh, I work from home. So in terms of workflow, it doesn't change much. But the fact that I am unable to leave the house, uh, I mean, um, for more than a few you know, a few hours. Um, makes it difficult for me not to work because I love working and so when I'm at home I always want to work and so I really have to be very intentional about about that. What are you doing in the days that you don't feel like creating an art? How do you spend your time? Usually we go out for walks um, on weekends so uh, I, mean, I, I get inspired but that doesn't count. <laughs> So no, I, I do like, you know, like the classical stuff, you know, to go walk in nature, that kind of, of things, you know, there's nothing to, and then I like reading or just, you know, watching, oh, I play video games quite a lot. I, I picked it up again, which can be a bit dangerous <laughs> for, <laughs> because um, I think the fact that I'm always at home, sometimes it's a bit difficult for me mm -hmm. because uh, when I want out of it, then I can't, if that makes sense. Uh, because where I live, it's not a city that I'm very fond of. So I don't want to go walk in the city. It's too small, so I don't care about it. Um, and we, we go out in the nature on the weekends, but you do have to take the car because it's just, it's not that nearby. Um, so that makes it a bit constrictive, I don't know. Uh, restrictive and uh, and but sometimes I just want a break um, and yeah I picked up video games again because that kind of helps me to you know just get away set my yeah. mind on something completely different and have an actual break mm -hmm. because when you're at home in your studio all the time it's extremely difficult to not think about art all the time but it's very unhealthy mm -hmm. you need to see and do different things so that's like um, and yeah, and video games are addictive. So, um, and luckily I love my work and so it's not too difficult for me to work. It's not something that I have a, an issue with. But, um, but I remember there was one week where was, I was like playing, every time I, I need a break, I would play one, two hours. <laughs> so, but now I don't have the time for it at all. So I want to play, but I, I can't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I suppose that's okay. Do you have dreams about art in your work? I have great dreams. 
<laughs> my dreams are amazing. No, um, no, I don't. Usually I dream about very complex worlds. So in that sense, it's just, uh, yeah, but uh, it's, it's not work-related. Well, I have it in the way that when I'm super stressful about some kind of projects, I'm basically working in my sleep. And I'm just getting back that's, to that. That's not great. No, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on and how to solve some problems. And then I wake up and I feel like I have no sleep at all. So this can be a little bit tricky when you are super workaholic about something and you think about it all day. It's hard to stop and actually have a clear mind to, you know, get some rest and be able to continue the other day or something. There's a bit of a culture about that, the, you know, overworking, overachievers, especially in America. And uh, it's extremely unhealthy. It's extremely pointless. That's, life is not about just working. Um, and unless you really ha have no, no other options, you know, um, I know, especially when I started out, I had to earn some money somehow. You know, I, I didn't have uh, other options. So you overwork because you have no options. Um, you have to work because that's the way you earn money. And so that's fine. But that's a very specific uh, situation. If you can afford to take time off, like you don't need to work that much in terms to just live, you know, then just take some time off. It's not worth to, you know, Good message at the end. Very important. I, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate all your honesty and the way you speak about things. And I do hope that many people will find a lot of in inspirational things and meaningful information that you shared with us today. So thank you again. And I hope that you are going to continue with the very important message that you share with the world on your social media, Instagram and everywhere around. Thank you. And, and whatever social media app is going to come yeah. next year. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much.